You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin, and joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Men. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Well, we're coming, we're, we're, we're speaking after a Bucks loss, so that, that can always be better. Um, but it was my daughter's uh, 365th day on Earth this weekend on Saturday, so we celebrated with her first birthday party, so that was that was fun, uh, spending time with family and uh, you know, just getting to reflect on a year of being a, an old washed dad. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it was a, it was a good weekend. And Friday I, uh, got to see the Rockets beat the Raptors. Um, you know, which, uh, I feel like I did my part delivering, uh, that, that I, I was telling, uh, my in-laws, I mean, that, that's the most, um, that's like the most important game I can watch in the regular season that doesn't involve the Bucks because obviously the rap, the Rockets are my, <laughs> wife's favorite team and therefore my second favorite team and the Raptors are obviously the team that uh we are you know most interested in at this point given their uh proximity to the Bucks in the standing so um so yeah Friday was uh enjoyable as the Bucks not a good not a really a good performance <laughs> overall against the Hornets but they come back and kind of a fun comeback win on Friday and then um obviously the uh news uh on saturday about thon makers agent i guess requesting a trade um from the bucks and then sunday uh the nationally televised game that they ultimately lose uh in oklahoma city so a very busy weekend um where do you want to start eric oh let's start with uh we can start with the thunder game um I was talking to Matt Velasquez about this as we walked back from Chesapeake Energy Arena to our respective hotels. And, you know, I thought at times, obviously, it wasn't awesome to watch, but I just thought that was really fun. Like, you're looking at two of the best teams in the league. And, you know, I just think both those teams are, I mean, they're both really good. And, you have a guy like Paul George who's playing some of the best basketball in the league. Uh, he was, to me, he's probably third in the MVP race uh, behind Giannis and Harden. Um, and he played like it tonight. And then you had Giannis uh, not making a basket in the first half and then uh, coming through with 27 points and 18 rebounds on the night. And it was just like, man, those two... You always think about the Bucks and how athletic they are, and you know how they can just put it on teams. And we saw that on uh, Friday night against Charlotte. And the Thunder are that. My God, they are just so physical and so athletic. And you know there was, I think it was in the third quarter, 
there was a sequence where the Bucks made, you know, one of their normal like three extra passes kind of possessions where like most of the time that means like an open corner three or an open three for someone or like a wide open layup. And they did it and the Thunder were there on every single pass. And it was just like, how the hell did they just do that? Like, how are they everywhere? And, um, you know, I just came away really impressed with the Thunder. And because I came away really impressed with the Thunder, I'm really impressed with the Bucks that, you know, they were able to dig a hole against a team like that. Not impressed by that, but the fact that they could dig their way out of that hole and, and really get back in a game against a team that's, you know, as talented defensively as this Thunder team. And then, you know, on top of that, the Thunder shot 50% from three. Like, you lose by six to that Thunder team and they shot 50% from three. Like, I don't want to say you're never going to win that game, but, I mean, it's going to be pretty hard. <laughs> it's going to be pretty difficult to, to try to pull that one out. So, um, you know, I just came away really impressed with both teams. I thought it was a, a hell of a lot of fun to watch those two teams just kind of go at each other because, uh, you know, in, in the ways that Giannis tends to bludgeon teams to death, like this Thunder team is just kind of the same way. Like they're always attacking. They're, they're always physical and, um, I just thought it was a lot of. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I know some Bucks fans will not think it was because they lost, but um, I just came away really enjoying that game. I mean, as, especially as someone who um, is obviously a uh, Giannis fanboy, Giannis stat uh, follower, um, the first half was extremely frustrating. Uh, Giannis goes zero for six from the field, three points on three out of six from the line. Um, I think he did have ten rebounds and a couple assists at at the interval, but. Um, you know, the, the, you often talk in like football about teams kind of winning the, the battle of the trenches, you know, and, um, I guess the basketball equivalent of that would be, you know, who protects the rim and who finishes at the rim better. And we've gotten used to the bucks just, you know, at the expense of giving up threes, they really protect the rim and between Giannis and Brogdon and Bledsoe in particular, they are extremely good at scoring in the paint. And, um, I'm still, I, I thought I heard a stat like a few weeks ago that the Bucks had like not been outscored in the paint in any game this season. And especially in that first half, it looked like that streak was going to be grinding to a halt because, um, you know, they just completely swarmed Giannis and made life very difficult. We're very physical, you know, can obviously debate how, how much they might've gotten away with, you know, could there have been some more, some more fouls called, uh, like the, the one, um, offensive foul called on Giannis where it looked like it was a three-point play um, seemed pretty tough too but overall I mean look like you know I mean officiating stuff put aside I mean the Thunder I mean they they played the refs they played the game the way um, you know they they the way that they could and it was successful right I mean you hold Giannis to eight out of 22 from the field um, including five out of 17 on on twos <laughs> I don't think he took a single two-point jump shot he yeah. took hit three out of five threes which was great to see um, but obviously they they just did a really good job of swarming him and um, you know there was the stat that kept getting thrown around on the broadcast that he was blocked seven times and that was the most of any player in the NBA this season um, I think a couple may have been like you know, and I've mentioned this on the pies before. like guy gets ripped at his waist going up for a shot. And they, for some reason, credit as a block because they want to give a block out of the yeah. whole team, I guess. Um, so a couple of maybe a little bit asterisk, you know, a couple of them you could argue were, were fouls, whatever, but overall, you know, Jeremy Grant, New Orleans Noel in particular, I thought 
you know, really did a nice job of, of making their presence felt, um, you know, Nerlens, I think Nerlens only had two blocks. Um, it felt like more, but maybe just cause they were more visible, um, on Giannis. Um, but, uh, yeah, they just gang tackled Giannis well. And it felt like, especially in the first half, it felt like the bucks all became very aware of that. And it felt like plays where you might expect the bucks to like, you know, where they were basically driving and you thought maybe they were going to try to attack the rim. Um, they ended up kicking out, you know, like it felt like there was an intimidation factor that we normally don't see from the bucks. And, um, I thought that was, you know, I think evident, right. So I think, you know, ultimately, even though it ended up being 44, 44 in the paint teams ended up even, um, I think that's really where the game was won. I mean, you know, 16 out of 32 threes from, uh, from the thunder is obviously tough to, you know, overcome given um that team normally does not shoot 16 out of 32 uh they did miss 11 free throws um which helped um but the bucks were also 15 out of 37 so you know both teams ended up uh shooting well from three and really i think the you know the story of the game was the bucks not having their usual advantage um in the paint and um you know the thunder forced a lot of turnovers wasn't a huge difference tonight 14 turnovers for the bucks um 12 for the for the thunder so that wasn't necessarily the the difference of the game but um you know 15 to 8 in fast break points for the thunder that's usually where the bucks get some of their paint points is uh off you know transition kind of dunks things like that and um bucks couldn't get those going uh you know it's usually they they have a a positive margin on the break usually they have a clearly positive margin in the paint and um you know, I think Giannis, Giannis, especially in that first half, that was kind of the bellwether for what was the story of the game. And I think you give Giannis a lot of credit for, you know, scoring 24 points uh, in the second half and, you know, really sticking with it and knocking down threes. And, um, you know, I think easy to overlook some some good performances the Bucks had. I think, you know, Giannis bouncing back, especially in that second half, um, but also Chris Middleton quietly, um, 22 points on 15 shots, six assists. Um, you know, I don't think anybody passes. I don't think anybody has as good a chemistry and pick and roll as Chris and Giannis, which we don't see as much, um, just because they don't yep. run those as much. But Chris found Giannis for a couple more buckets tonight. Um, I think they have very good chemistry in that regard. And um, you know, Paul George was terrific. I mean, eight out of twelve threes. You weren't going to do anything about a lot of those shots. <laughs> um, and you know, we've talked about when Chris plays Kawhi Leonard. How well you, you can't almost can't even expect Chris to have a good offensive night. Um, but yep. tonight you could have said, well, Paul George is playing. You know, Paul, Paul George really the probably the only guy who can be on Kawhi's level as a perimeter kind of wing defender right now this season. And um, you know, I thought it was obviously a good sign that Chris was effective scoring and um, and shooting the ball tonight, in spite of the fact that you know he was going up against George. So um, you know, George thirty six points on twenty one shots. You just, I think it was just sort of one of those tip your cap type nights. Um, but, you know, Giannis, I think bouncing back second half playing well. Uh, Chris generally playing pretty well. Um, Brooke Lopez, especially early hitting threes to kind of keep the Bucks within touching distance. 19 points on seven shots from Brooke. Um, I thought those guys were especially good. Uh, and, um, you know, again, this is a tough game to win. I mean, we're past the Bucks being a team that, you know, you um, have moral victories. They're too good for that. Um, but, uh, it was, you know, I think frustrating in the sense that they, it was kind of close, but I mean, it was not like this was a back and forth game, right? I mean, this, it was, I guess, kind of entertaining, but for most of the game, I mean, the Bucks were not on track to, to, you know, there, there was very few moments where you thought the Bucks were actually going to win this game. And, you know, it was really just a matter of, um, them showing some spunk at the end to, to come back and make it competitive. But, um, you know, as you said, Thunder are good and, and we saw why tonight. Yeah. I mean, I think 
you mentioned Chris and, you know, I thought, I think 10 points in the first half, he was solid that. And then he had that kind of barrage at the end of the third quarter where it was three assists to Sterling Brown for a three and then his own three again. Uh, and then he got an, a, two more free throws and then he had uh, an assist to Giannis as well for a dunk on a roll and the Bucks had it down to six there um, at the end of the third quarter. And then uh, Schroeder, I think, hit that that late three in the third quarter that I don't want to say it was a backbreaker, but you know, you went from a six point game. I think DJ Wilson missed two free throws and then Schroeder hits that three. And, you know, instead of being six or seven going into the, the fourth quarter, it was 10. And then it just didn't feel like they could really ever get that rolling. And yeah, you know, I thought, uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking for, problems tonight or, or things that didn't go well. I, I thought Eric Bledsoe was bad for most of the night. Like he, yeah. and, so and again, like, too. like uh, yeah. And it, and it was just like, you, you know, how smothering that, that thunder defense is. And, you know, I think he threw probably like three of the most egregious, like way too much air on the ball. Like, yeah. like you're like, it was like a high school skip pass. And it's like, no, man, no. <laughs> I don't think you can throw that against most NBA teams, but you certainly can't throw that against the thunder. Um, and then obviously that, that leads to those fast break points. And, um, you know, I thought that was what was really impressive with me about that thunder team is that, you know, they are as physical and relentless as they are defensively, but then they are in a moment, just out on the break and making you work again. And it just feels like for the entire game, like you're just going to have to work against that team. And um, yeah, if you're giving live ball turnovers to them, it's going to be, it could be a long night. So I thought Bledsoe wasn't very good. And, you know, I think this is one of the first times I can remember this year where uh, Sterling Brown was up to the test. Tony Snell was up to the test. George Hill was up to the test. You couldn't play DJ Wilson or, or Sonny Lee in this game. Like they just, they didn't have enough. Like the, I thought the athleticism of Noel really just got to him. The and then Patterson, I just think is a, is a solid backup big as well. And you know they played Urson at the same time as Noel for five minutes, and he just looked he got run terrible. Just yeah. just ran off the floor. Uh, and I mean it was you know emblematic that the final play Urson has on the floor tonight is getting lost. <laughs> on Noel and trans in transition and then just getting an alley-oop thrown over the top of him. And it's like, yep, you can't play anymore tonight. That, that, um, I will say, I will say that, that was a very ambitious alley-oop to throw. I mean, it was, was, it was, you know, like that was, um, and it was, a you know, Noel six points on seven shots, six rebounds, two blocks plus three. I thought that understated his impact tonight, uh, especially when, huge. especially when Steven Adams went down with uh, looked like a really bad ankle turn. And because he's just, insane and steven adams um he returned uh eventually um but yeah i, I mean that's the big I, thing to me with this this uh thunder team is that it's not just that they're starting five is physical and athletic it's that they just come in waves <laughs> like you think you're gonna get some reprieve when the bench guys come in and then it's just nerland's noel flying around and like actually playing a role and being a good role player and it's just like damn <laughs> like 48 minutes of steven adams and uh like engage Nerlens Noel like that's that's tough that, that's going to be a long night for you uh to to kind of deal with yeah and I, I mean I um I mentioned I think I, I think we talked about this recently as well but um first off I'm at least glad that 
Bud realized after that first five minute stretch with Ursan that he just could not play him. And I think that's emblematic of, you know, I think what is probably going to be an issue in the playoffs with Ursan that he is a guy who is fine in the regular season because he's smart enough and savvy and he can do the little things against like kind of mediocre to bad teams or teams that just don't have a lot of athleticism or don't play smart. Um, but when you play kind of high level teams that have, you know, athletes like the thunder or Toronto, um, I I think he's going to be just, yeah, he's just going to be exposed pretty badly. I think, um, because he's just not like, you know, he just doesn't bring enough offensively. And, um, you know, I thought we saw that tonight. Um, I think, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Thon. I mean, these are the scenarios where like, you know, you, I think you can make the case that well, Thon as much as he, you know, has his limitations, at least in terms of athleticism and, you know, m- you know, movement and physicality. We don't think of Thon as being like physical, but especially if you're putting in for Ursan, who obviously is also, you know, not, I mean, not like a true center or anything like that. Um, you know, I think that would be the case for giving Thon, you know, some playing time in these types of scenarios. Um, because yeah, it, it just was not working with, with Ursan. Um, I mean, the fact that we're talking about Thon potentially being better solution, I mean, it just sort of suggests mm-hmm. that the Bucks have some issues here, especially because DJ, I thought DJ battled, um, but his lack of, you know, strength and, um, you know, there was that one play where he tried to go up and what did he try to dunk or he kind of went yeah. up and it was just like a, like a really wimpy finish that he missed. There was no way it was going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that, that is sort of like the DJ Wilson that we, you know, we're so down on kind of coming into the season, like that sort of image of DJ just sort of not having, not playing with force, not ha- playing with strength um, on the, op- you know, that time on the offensive end. Um, I think obviously he's been way scrappier and hustling than more, more of a hustler than we saw previously or expected from him defensively. I and mean, that's really why he's, you know, one minutes, but um, you know, tonight just that he just did not look strong enough in, in some of the stretches against the, the, um, the OKC bigs. Uh, and you know, he misses a three, he misses a, I think a a long two, um, gets, um, fouled. I think it was late in the third quarter when they were trying to get, you know, they got cut under 10 misses both free throws. And I I don't know, he, he's got some sort of mental block right now. He doesn't shoot obviously many free throws, but he's like in like the 40% range on the season right now. And, um, he won the, he won the practice championship. Yeah. He's a paper champ. He's the paper champ, but he cannot make a free throw in a game, which, um, there's no reason for that. He was a good free throw shooter in college. I mean, he obviously has, has, has touch. Um, but for whatever reason right now, he, when he very rarely goes to the line, he just feels like he's going to miss probably. And, um, you know, those were big misses and, um, ultimately, you know, he, he's, he's brought them, a, a um, you know, in, in the past, he's been bringing them a really nice energy and kind of a lift. And, you know, tonight I thought when you looked at the bench, um, you know, D- neither DJ nor Ursan was able to do that. Um, neither of them scores a point. They're minus eight, minus seven. Um, and Snell was, I thought, I agree. Snell kind of gave them a little bit of something um, at, t- at a couple of moments. Um, but, you know, George Hill was, was pretty invisible, I thought. And Sterling, um, I mean, Sterling was a game worst minus 12. I thought he, he's also struggled finishing. Like he, he felt he felt Oklahoma City's length around the rim too. I mean, he's obviously not a you know supreme athlete. He kind of gets like sneaky power dunks from time to time, but he missed some stuff around the paint that 
from Dever Challenge, um, hit a three and that he looked like he tra- traveled on. Um, but this was not Sterling's best game either. He's obviously been playing much better of late, and this was kind of a meh, I thought, game from Sterling. So, yeah, I mean, it was just tough, right? I mean, uh, the bench obviously was was not great. And, um, you know, you look at the starters. I mean, it, I was kind of surprised looking at the starters. I mean, Giannis was even, Chris was plus eight, Brooke was even, Brogdon was plus four, Bledsoe minus one. So the starters, you know, were not great, obviously, collectively, kind of a mixed bag. But, um, you know, it was really the bench, those bench minutes, those kind of mixed units where, uh, where the Bucks ultimately lost. And, um, you know, interestingly, I mean, you look at the offensive rating, defensive rating. I mean, defensively, they were certainly worse than usual 112 defensive rating. But, you know, normally they, they'll score more than that. And, you know, it was really uh, ultimately the, the two-point shots that uh, that killed them. And it was those, you know, really that, that paint battle that uh, they just couldn't win by enough to, uh, to close out the game today. Okay, I think we're going to move on to Thon here because this kind of serves as a as a perfect kind of flow into it. Um, so hopefully you have all of your Thunder thoughts out. Um, but, you know, you, you mentioned Thon and, you know, possibly playing for Ursan. And, you know, it, to me it's not um, – it's not a, a one game sample. Like Ersan, I think it was was great at the beginning of the season. I remember writing about him at the Athletic, and I, I thought, you know, when I wrote that article, it's like, wow, like I I don't want to say I was wrong on Ersan because I still think the contract is bad, but like you know, maybe I didn't give him enough credit for being able to be a contributor. And then uh, he had the concussion, he had the broken nose, and he just really hasn't been the same since then. And you know, on Monday we saw uh, Bud have Ursan go for his first stint and then he was just like nope you're not going back in and then Thon went in instead of him and you know I asked before the the Hornets game like when is there a point where you get to the spot uh, obviously he's done this this year where you know certain guys have dropped from the rotation and other guys have taken their spot and you know I, I was trying to get at and try to understand like when does that happen when do you decide like okay you know, maybe this guy needs a couple weeks uh, of not being in the rotation. You know, this guy just isn't doing enough right now. Let's go with this other guy. And then again on on Friday, we saw Thon not play and Ersan play instead of him. And then uh, tonight again, Ersan played. But you know, like it's it's getting to a spot where Ersan pretty much gets his first stint, and then it's like, nope, Ersan doesn't have it tonight. And you know, if you go to Ersan three games in a row and he doesn't have it. Uh, you know, that, that's a little bit of a pattern. Um, I'm not sure you, you can say it, it's totally there yet. Um, and, you know, I, I just started to wonder, you know, if you're Thon, like, you know, what more can you do? Uh, because as we talked about Thon in our last mailbag, which was, I don't know, two or three weeks ago at this point, uh, you know, Thon, uh, despite frustrating people with his offensive game, uh, has has had one of the Bucks' best defensive ratings for the entire year. The, the Bucks have been good defensively when he's on the floor. He's been able to, you know, play well in some of those situations. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to, it was definitely a surprise to hear uh, the report that Thon uh, wanted, or his agent said that, you know, he'd, he'd like to be traded because he's, he's not getting enough playing time or, or whatever it is. And, you know, I don't, it's shocking because it's Thon and he just always seems so happy and excited and ready to play. And uh, I don't know, it, it caught me by surprise, but 
to me more than anything. And, you know, I, I was thinking this before we got a chance to talk to Thon today. And then Matt Velasquez and I talked to Thon today. And, you know, we talked to Giannis about Thon and the report after the game. And to me, it's just like, I don't know that Thon necessarily wants to get traded. I think there's at least some of this that was just publicly saying like, hey, I would like to play more. Like, I think I'm, I can make an impact and I would like to play. And, and this might have been their way because, you know, we've talked about Thon before and, you know, I don't necessarily think for him going to a bad team is, mm-hmm. is going to be all that good for him. Like if Thon's going to have an impact in this league, it's going to be as a role player. And, you know, the best place to be a role player is on a really good team because if you're a really good role player on a really good team, you get paid. Like that, that there's always going to be someone that's going to think that you can keep that role or do even better on a different team. And, you know, I think going to a bad team and just kind of wallowing in, in losing the guy, to me, that doesn't seem like a good move for him. So for me, like as, as we talked to Thon, he does, uh, the way we talked to him and I, you know, at the end of our conversation, I kind of asked him like, no, in the end is, is getting traded what what you really want? Like, is is that is that in, is that the end goal? Like, is that really what would be best? And you know, he talked about how much he loved the city and how competitive he was and how much he wanted to play. And to me, it, it just felt like publicly letting the Bucks know, like, hey, I would like to play. And you know, if you've seen Urson play recently, like, I can't I can't say that I blame him. <laughs> um, and not that I think going public with a trade demand is ever the way to go about it, but you know, if you're trying to let people know that you'd like to play more. I I mean, I can see why you'd want to play more with how things have gone recently. Yeah, this is, um, this is one of those things that, um, I, I mean, I think everybody has to be realistic. I mean, you know, one of the challenges that doesn't always become obviously apparent to the public is, and one of the arts of, of, you know, being a good coach, being a good front office is like figuring out how you manage these sorts of pressures because, um, you know, this is almost more, more of an issue kind of like can, can be more of an issue with good teams where you have more depth and good players, or at least players who might reasonably believe they are good enough to play, you know, regular minutes, just not, not being able to find time. Um, I mean, if I was just to speculate without really any, you know, detailed knowledge, I mean, I'm, you know, again, like the way this was reported by Woj, it sounded like, you know, this at some point in the past was raised with, you know, the Bucks front office and John Horst by Mike George, who's uh, Thon's agent. Uh, and then it comes out now. Right. And so it, 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 it's not like this, nobody knew anything. The Bucks had no idea about any of this. And then uh, this comes out, right. It seems like there had been some discussion around it. And then now, Mm-hmm. one would hazard that it's not the bucks who are who are putting this out there right they have nothing really to gain from this going public so you would assume this is mike george basically putting it out into the into the public view that that thon is available or you know agitating he wants minutes blah 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 and um i would say that is probably not something that um is necessarily a good move for thon in the long run um i think this could very well be a miscalculation from Mike George. Um, 
but we'll see um, because, you know, again, I don't think Thon wants to be a distraction. He talked a lot, you know, and uh, I know Matt already had his, his um, piece posted at, at the Journal Sentinel site about kind of what Thon's reaction was. And um, I'm sure Thon feels awkward having to talk about this because um, he's just sort of talking about how he's, you know, these are his brothers and he works hard and everybody knows that, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's not helpful. <laughs> It's not helpful when a team is winning um, yeah. and, you know, um, your teammates are having to answer questions after games about you and you not wanting to be there, or you not being happy with your minutes, which implies that, you know, you think you're better than guys who are playing, et cetera, right? Um, I mean, I don't think this is like going to throw the Bucks season off or something like that. But, um, you know, if you think, you know, you should be playing more, guess what? half the NBA thinks they should be playing more, you know? Um, I, 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 uh, I think yeah. this is, um, I just don't think it's a constructive thing. I don't think it's something that, um, you know, reflects well on Thon or his agent, um, or to be honest, his people, um, because I know we don't really talk about it much, but, you know, Thon has a, you know, group of advisors, most notably Ed Smith, who's basically the guy who kind of plucked him from obscurity in Australia and brought him over to the US. And, um, you know, you can only guess that, hey, these guys uh, were banking on Thon being this great player, being this high recruit. He ends up being a lottery pick, which, by the way, the Bucks took a huge chance on him doing that because he might not have been drafted for quite uh-huh. a bit later, uh, if not for that. Um, and, you know, those guys probably heard Kevin Garnett saying he's a future MVP, you know, barf. Um, and so, I mean, it's just like, I think it's an interesting case study, right? I mean, again, a player who I think you watched on play, everything you hear about him, he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, nothing about the way he acts says that he's a prima donna or he thinks he's better than guys or thinks he should be a star. I mean, he plays like a guy who's a role player who just wants to work hard and fit in. Um, but, you know, um, this this coming out just doesn't really mesh with that and um the the crazy part is i mean look he's like an injury to one of the bucks frontline guys away from playing 15 to 20 minutes per game again right he's yep ursan ursan's washedness becoming more obvious i mean again like a, a week from now like if ursan just gets like exposed again and again i mean at some point like bud might just say all right thon you're in right so, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's sort of those things like if if Thon was in, you know, like Christian Woods shoes where you're like in the G League and, you know, you're getting DNPs and not suiting up over Jason Smith, then like I could get if Thon was like, well, I'm a former lottery pick and I played a lot my first years, like clearly I don't have a future here, but that's not where Thon is like Thon has played like for, you know, a lot of the season and it's really only more of a recent thing that he's like completely out of the rotation. So you know, again, like he's not a free agent this summer. He's extension eligible this summer. They already picked up his option. So I just think it's short-sighted from, you know, whatever, Thon Maker's camp, which starts with Thon. You know, you can't just give Thon a pass on this. Um, And again, I just don't think it does him any favors because clearly, like, I mean, he's not been playing these last, like, two, three weeks much at all. Really, after that Utah game is when he kind of disappeared. And so assuming this stuff started you know, before yesterday, um, whatever, whatever agitation they were doing was not helping. And I, I don't believe that going public is going to make Mike Budenholzer, you know, roll over and capitulate. Right. So, 
anyway, I think this is these are. It just seems like the kind of games that um, you know agents in particular try to play to you know get guys more visibility because you know agents and you know inner circles all think that their guy is better than he is. You know, it's just the way things go. Um, but I, I again, I, I don't think it's necessarily a productive thing. Thon, it's not like Thon has some big value around the league. You know, maybe you could, I don't know, get some minor asset for him. Maybe your best move if you felt like you had to move him was just to get like an expiring contract. So you just get some more cap flexibility this summer. But um, I think just like trying to lean on the Bucks just to do that, I don't think is very helpful. And I mean, to be honest, like I, I would probably want to keep Thon around at this point, you know, just because, you don't know, you know, if Brooke Lopez gets hurt, um, having Thon as a potential kind of floor stretching athletic five, you know, is probably better than he can get for a guy off the street. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just think it's premature to do something like this. I, I just, it's kind of disappointing for that reason. Yeah. I mean, it was the, I mean, I was having the strangest cognitive dissonance, like talking to Thon and talking to people about this because like, you know, like I, I think I struggle to think of someone in that locker room that's more beloved. Like everyone loves Thon. Like he he works hard. He's uh, incredibly well liked. He's always willing to have a good time. Uh, he's he's the the team DJ. Uh, like, he's just like and again, like I, I understand those are all like smaller things, but like just a. I mean, like I've been a part of people you know, in trade rumors before. And, you know, like the players that typically request a trade um, aren't the most well-liked guys on the team. Um, they're typically guys that, you know, outwardly express, uh, you know, their disgust with other teammates or, um, you know, are just kind of can be kind of pricks. Like, you know, like that's that's what you expect out of someone that, um, you know, that requests a trade and instead like, Thon or Thon's people request a trade or whoever. So Thon requests a trade, and then tonight he's up on the on the bench doing three goggles. And like you know what I mean? Like he, he's still the same uh, happy, good teammate that you know he's been in the past. And yeah, like I, to me, it was just strange that you know in a in a pretty much dramaless season. Um, Don just Don decided to go this route because, um, to me, again, I, I know everyone wants to play and Don's competitive, and he made sure to tell us that plenty of times that he he just wants to play. But you know, I I think it was to his uh, obvious. Uh, I don't want to say dismay, but like the fact that Brooke Lopez came in and scooped up thirty minutes a night, like that that was something that I'm sure he didn't see coming. Like, again, who knew that the Bucks were going to sign Brook? And then once they did, who knew he was going to kind of take off in this way? And then, you know, on top of that, they signed Urson and, you know, they just grab a couple guys at his spot. But when it, when you are looking at Brook, like there's, there's a chance here that, well, you know, maybe, maybe Brook doesn't get signed after you. Maybe he has such a good, such a good season that, he just makes too much money and the Bucks can't resign him. And then it's like, well, you know who would fit that role perfectly? Thom Aker. <laughs> like we've always thought uh, Thom Aker, whether or not he's super talented or as good as Brooke, like again, the, the platonic ideal of Thon fits very well with, with Giannis and even more so in, in Mike Boonholzer's system. So 
to me, the, like you said, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of spots where, you know, I think Thon really makes sense. And, you know, we, we talked about it uh, a little bit, and we're going to talk about it here uh, when we talk about this Hornets game. But when the Bucks, if the Bucks want to go to a switching defense at any point during the postseason, Thon's the guy. Like, DJ isn't really quite long enough. Uh, so you would say, just like you did last year against the Celtics, you'd bring Thon in and you'd have him give give it a go. And again, like if for a third postseason, Thon is your switching ace in the hole, then all of a sudden, you know, that, I mean, again, you have to do stuff during the regular season, but that gets you paid. Um, there, there'd be plenty of people that would do that. So it, it, it I would agree with you that it was it was strange to see just because um, even though there might not be opportunity at this very moment, maybe there hasn't been opportunity for the last two weeks. Like, there's opportunity for him in Milwaukee, and you know I just think we'll we'll continue to see some of that going forward. So, um, yeah, I, I think generally just kind of weird, and like you said, maybe maybe mistimed or like an overplayed hand from his people that. I don't, I don't know, makes a, to me, makes a ton of sense. So uh, I guess we'll kind of see where that goes. Any other thoughts before we move on to that Hornets game? Well, I mean, I would say coming this year, I mean, John Henson played more than him last year. So, I mean, I I think, I think we, we said, you know, really from the start, um, from the start of the season, there was this chance, like, does Don Maker even play this year? Um, And obviously, when Henson got traded, then you thought, wow, well, then this is obviously a great chance for Thon to play more. Um, but, you know, I think the, the, the wrinkle that has made that really difficult is, um, well, one, Ursan and Giannis have played as a big pairing a lot this year, and they've actually been, you know, statistically very, very effective together. Um, but they're the real kind of like, you know, wild card over the past month has been DJ Wilson actually emerging and being like, not just like able to jump in randomly, but but really locking down a regular rotation spot. Um, so so yeah, I mean it's it's um it's interesting because we kind of wondered like, well, how much are the Bucks going to go small? And you know, at this point, it's interesting because of these past few weeks. I mean, the Bucks only play one real center, and then essentially, you know, the other the other bigs. We you know we see DJ and Urson together a fair bit, and then we see. Um, especially Urson and Giannis a fair bit. Um, I would say probably less DJ and Giannis together because um, DJ is usually subbing in for um, for Giannis, like in the, especially in, like as a first sub. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's an interesting evolution. But, you know, again, I mean, as well as DJ has played, especially in spurts, I mean, you know, he's been, I haven't really noticed him really in a particularly positive way the past couple games. Um, so, I mean, look, you know, again, like, that's why I just don't get with, with Thon like playing this now. I mean, it just seems like a weird, weirdly timed thing. And again, like if you want to be competitive, it's like, you know, you want to win. Okay. You're on the best team in the league. You're not that far from getting minutes, like go compete for minutes. You know, you're not, you know, they didn't send your ass down to the G league or something like that. Like mm-hmm. go compete. Um, so that, that's just, again, I'd say it's just kind of disappointing. It just feels like, you know, and, and, and this thing too, it's like, with Thon's personality, like if you're John Horst, like are you are you really worried about Thon Maker like becoming a negative in the locker room because of this? Like, no, yeah. not really. Like I, on some level, I don't. And maybe this is why Mike George slash his camp pushed this out to the media because they realize that the Bucks don't have to take it seriously because Thon's not really the kind of guy who's gonna do anything disruptive. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I 
I mean, what's your what's your gut reaction? Obviously, we've only had like 24 hours of this like being out there. Um, but I mean, what's actually your gut reaction in terms of like likelihood of this, you know, actually translating into um, a trade by the deadline? Because uh, I don't know, like on some level, like I feel like if the Bucks want to keep Thon for the reasons we mentioned, um, I think they could easily do that. Likewise, you know, I think uh, I know a lot of folks would say, well, Thon hasn't really been particularly good and um, you're going to need all the salary flexibility you can get. So if you just deal him for something else, deal him with Jason Smith for somebody who might contribute or be an expiring contract, whatever, that's really not, not a bad thing either. Right. I mean, I think the, the most, most common thing I've, I think I've seen thrown around was like, well, Hey, would Atlanta take, you know, Jason Smith and Thon for like Dwayne Dedman, right. Which I'd say would probably be an upgrade at the center spot and he's expiring. So, you know, that's, that'd be fine. But um, I don't know. I mean, what's your actual expectation? Do you think this actually translates into Thon being traded or, or what do you think the odds of that are at this point? Uh, no. I mean, I don't want to say it's toothless, but like, I, Thon's not going to become disgruntled. That's, that's, that's not who he is. Like, yeah, and then uh, like, uh, so, many, so many of the guys are just like, yeah, Thon is you know, competitive and we all love Thon. And it's just like, I don't know how you request a trade in the middle of the year. And I was just like, yeah, we love you. Um, but you know, I think there's just like such a level of goodwill that, you know, unless, unless there's really something good out there, like I think he's too valuable of an insurance policy for uh, some of the things that could happen this summer. And I think he's uh, too valuable in that switching role that we talked about that, you know, Maybe you don't need it in the class. Maybe DJ can just be that guy and, and you'll be fine. But also, you know, why you'd willingly trade that away, like you better get something else that can allow you to play a different card in the playoffs because otherwise, like you're you're actively taken away from your team for a guy that I mean, I don't think it's gonna become a problem. Like <laughs> I I don't I'm trying really hard to imagine uh disgruntled Don Maker being pissy and like making his teammates mad and I, I, I can't, I can't even imagine it, honestly. Um, so no, I mean, I didn't, I'm not gonna say there's no chance of it happening, but I do think it's pretty low chance, uh, of Thon actually getting moved just because, um, you know, he may not be valuable now and he may not be getting a ton of playing time now, but to me, trading him doesn't really make a ton of sense. I, I might say it's a 50, 50 thing just because, um, I think there are, potential scenarios where it can just be a useful basketball move. You know, like I, I don't like the Atlanta thing as an example. Like, I don't know if Atlanta has any like values Thon as a potential piece. I mean, who knows, right? Like Thon is kind of an eye of the beholder type. Um, but you know, like it wouldn't be shocking if a team like Atlanta, which, you know, is um, obviously has a lot of younger guys, cheaper players. Um, they want to obviously play fast, shoot a lot of threes. I mean, Thon could certainly make some sense there. They don't have like a, you know, anchor center type guy for the long term. You know, Deadman's 29. Alex Len is, you know, I don't think anybody's view of a, a, a long term solution. And, and they've encouraged both those guys to shoot threes. So Thon could, you know, certainly make some sense there. Um, so like, I mean, you know, if you said like, if you asked me, like, does, does that move like make you better this year? I would say yes. I mean, I think Deadman's better than than Thon, um, and he actually does shoot some threes. And Bud obviously knows him from Atlanta, so 
you know, maybe that could be could be something that gets gets looked at, um, and you would have a chance to to re-sign him um, with early bird rights this summer. If uh, you know, especially if Brooke um, gets bigger bigger money elsewhere, which uh, you kind of mentioned it, right? I mean, I don't think we're suggesting that the Bucks would not want to bring Brooke Lopez back. Um, I think the issue, just as you're alluding to, is just finances, um, and it's a very good chance that the Bucks just don't really have you know cap space with which to re-sign Brooke, and since he's only been here on a one-year contract. Basically, they can't offer him, you know, just some big contract and go over the cap to resign him. They they most likely will have to use the mid level to to sign him, which would be about a nine million dollar number. And even that, depending on what they do with some of the other guys, could be reduced if they end up going well into the tax. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think all that is very important and part of the calculus. Um, but I think, as you said, I mean, if the Bucks still like Thon, which Again, I mean, the fact that Thon is not playing at all, especially over Urson, suggests to me that Mike Budenholzer might be very willing to move Thon Maker if he's not interested in playing him. Um, but we also know that, you know, with guys in those sort of eight through 10 spots in the rotation, stuff can change pretty quickly, right? And, um, you know, I think Urson, I mean, I don't think Urson's limitations, especially defensively, have much to do with, you know, the concussion stuff at this point. I mean, I think he kind of has limitations that, you know, Again, he can be a good regular season player, um, but I think there's some inescapable, <laughs> inescapable potential limitations when you think about him against you know some of the best teams in the league. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, it'll be interesting to watch. But clearly, you know, whatever stuff's been going on behind the scenes um, has not translated into you know Mike Budenholzer caving and saying, "Oh, you you might want to be traded." Okay, here I'll I'll play you. Um, so we'll see, right? I mean, I think. I, if, if I'm Bud, I certainly don't want to play him the day after um, a report comes out about him demanding a trade or more playing time, right? Because then that sends a bad message that you know just whine about your just have your agent yep. whine about playing time and you'll you'll get more. <laughs> so that's that's not great. Um, so yeah, it's kind of an awkward thing. It's like you know, I mean, especially with the the Toronto game coming up later this week. Um, you know, Toronto's a team that Thon didn't play against last time. And Thon has always played well against Toronto, especially in Toronto, uh, having played uh, his last, what, year or two of high school there. So, um, you know, it's like, hey, can we get past the drama of this and the whatever BS chess of it? Um, Because it would be nice to just, you know, have Bud be able to just pick his guys and not feel like he's capitulating to, uh, you know, uh, agents if he plays Thon Maker or something like that. So... I think it's going to be an interesting probably a couple weeks just to see if, you know, kind of where Thon fits and if he does get some minutes at some point. Um, but again, like we said, I mean, it's not like he's that far from that happening, right? Ursan, DJ, Brooke, or Giannis, if any of those guys get banged up at all, um, Thon's presumably the next guy up. So we'll see. All right, um, let's go with... Uh, so the Bucks beat the Hornets on Friday, 108-99. Uh, an ugly first three quarters, and I guess kind of looking at that, uh, the the Hornets have played the Bucks really tough this entire year. Uh, and, you know, talking to a couple players after the game, uh, one of the reasons is they're so willing to switch things. And uh, I think that's one thing that this Bucks team is going to have to get better at attacking as the season goes on is, you know, beating switches and finding a way that, you know, you teams are, are going to 
think of new things to do against you defensively. And, you know, the Bucks have to find a way to beat that and find a way to be comfortable um, attacking switches. And, um, you know, Bud mentioned being kind of stuck in the mud for the first three quarters. And, you know, I thought that was accurate. And then um, I think the other thing that stands out in the fourth quarter is obviously a 32 to 12 fourth quarter um, where they just put it on the Hornets. And why that was noteworthy was they decided to switch everything. And, you know, we, this is something that we've talked about before. We've talked about uh, this Bucks team and, you know, what they could kind of be defensively if they switch everything, um, how that frees up Giannis. And, you know, typically with Giannis, he's affecting things on the backside of the defense. And when you switch everything, that allows him to, you know, really turn the screws on teams, uh, just on their guards, on bigs, on whoever it is. Like he can go all the way up to half court and, and really put it on teams. And, I mean, I just thought, I thought Giannis and that switching defense just wrecked the Hornets in the fourth quarter. Like they, they just looked like they had never played basketball before for large stretches where they just weren't getting anything. Giannis was blocking shots. Uh, they were just kind of putting it on them. And, you know, that night it was Pat Connaughton with Giannis, Chris, Bledsoe, and Brogdon. And, you know, they, they had a really great run and ended up winning the game. But to me, more than anything, I don't know if anything else in that game matters other than uh, sweet, seeing that five-man unit really go out there, switch everything, and, and just put it on the Hornets because uh, that's a thing that I think the Bucks are going to have to be able to do in the postseason and to see them executed effectively, um, even if it is just against the Hornets, um, still important to see. Yeah, I mean, so um, as some people, if you were following me on Twitter on Friday, I was at the Raptors-Rockets game, but um, watching the, the Bucks game on my phone uh, during much of it, and then I rewatched uh, the second half on my uh, TV when I got back um, after the game. Um, and I was a little, I was like, as I was watching the game, I mean, it was a very frustrating game because typically when the Bucks are frustrating and they lose, like typically it's like, you know, the other team, shoots way better than them from three point range. And that's just like kind of what swings it, you know? And um, that makes sense because the bucks, as we've said, um, they pretty much take away the rim and they generally are very good at getting the paint themselves. So, you know, really it just comes down to do the bucks make their open threes and do the other team hit theirs or hit contested threes. Um, but this game was, uh, I mean, the, the Hornets did make four more three pointers. They were 10 out of 38, which is, poor 26% versus six out of 31, even worse for the box, 19%. Um, but what really annoyed me about this game was just like, it wasn't just that the bucks, you know, missed some shots or whatever it was, but just like some of the mistakes, I mean, Giannis, like I, I, I can't really recall like Giannis having like shacked in a fool type mistakes. Um, but he had like multiple in this game. I mean, he starts off in the first quarter, like, trying to like windmill a dunk and then ends up like realizing he's going to be short. And then he like kind of flips it over the rim and misses uh, what should have been, you know, just an easy basket. So, I mean, exhibit a like, Oh Jesus, like, come on. Um, and then I think it was in the third quarter. There was like, there were like three straight possessions. And I think Giannis had two turnovers and then another play where Tony Snell threw the ball up to him and it was like going to be a three on one. And then like, it was not a great pass and it ends up like hitting the floor and it like squib, you know, squirms out of bounds and it was just like, Jesus Christ, like they, they are just, yep. they cannot get out of their own way. And it was just so sloppy and painful. 
and a lot of, I mean, it's not like they're, you know, it's not like just like lack of effort or something like that. It's just like, Jesus guys, <laughs> like, you know, just stupid stuff. And then I think it was in the fourth quarter the there's a missed second free throw and Giannis like mistimes his jump and he's got like, he literally has the guy boxed out mistimes his jump and lets whoever was Jerry Lamb or somebody get the rebound. And then he has to foul him. And fortunately Lamb missed both shots, but, um, just like, man, like, I mean, it's crazy now to look back. I mean, Giannis's line, um, you know, 34 points on 21 shots, 14 rebounds, three assists, three steals, three blocks, just two turnovers. You know, you would not have said, oh, this was like a super sloppy game from Giannis, but there were just like some moments from Giannis in particular. I was like, oh my God, like, what are you guys doing? Um, and, you know, Bledsoe, 0 for 7 from 3. He's been in a terrible slump from 3, which, you know, we've talked about. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those games where just like, oh my God, are they going to be able to get out of their own way? And fortunately in that fourth quarter, as you said, I mean, they, they go to the switching scheme and Pat Connaughton doesn't score a point, but has a massive impact plus 18, um, switching onto Kemba. And, um, it just felt like every, every, uh, every possession, you know, the bucks just suffocated them. And, and, you know, it was like the best case scenario was that they were going to get like a, a tough contested three point shot. Um, so yeah, it was um, definitely an encouraging way to finish off, like a frustrating game. It was fun to see Giannis. You know, they had Biombo on him for parts of the fourth quarter. They had Michael Gilchrist on him for parts of the fourth quarter. And um, whether they went big or small, it didn't really matter. Um, especially that spinning dunk on Biombo. I just, <clears throat> that was like a, wait, he dunked that? Like, <laughs> that was that was impressive. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was, um, it was one of those games that, uh, you know, not pretty, but ultimately, like when you're really good, like these are games that you can you can churn out. And um, credit also, Chris Middleton hit a big three pointer. Only 12 shots for him, but 15 points, five rebounds, four assists. He had a huge three pointer that kind of gave them the the breathing room late in fourth quarter. Um, and then had another uh, um, pass off uh, as we were talking about pick and rolls with Giannis and Chris. Had a very nice feed to uh, Giannis for a lay in yep. that kind of kind of sealed it at the end there as well. So. Um, yeah, not a work of art, um, but uh, you know, again, like that's kind of what the Bucks do, right? They play eh, mediocre to, to decent, and they just keep winning games. I mean, that's that's what great teams do for sure. Um, you mentioned the the Middleton Giannis pick and roll, and you know that's I think to me been one of the fun things. I tweeted it during this Thunder game, but that's been one of the fun things of this season is that you know we've talked in the past uh, about how kid in front he never never ran that like Middleton and Giannis just like didn't have pick and roll reps together and you know as the season has gone on you know you saw you saw some early and then you know really now if the Bucks need a bucket or you know if if their backs are against the wall and they're trying to figure out how to get something going offensively they just kind of say okay Chris it's it's your play to make. Giannis is going to be your role man. And, you know, I think it's been really fun to watch them kind of develop some of that chemistry because uh, tonight against the Thunder, they, like I said, Chris had that that stretch where he was just kind of going off. And then in the, in the end of the third quarter, it was like, okay, Chris, Giannis, pick and roll. Let's see what you can do. And he finds Giannis on a roll and Giannis gets the, the and one. I think it was an and one dunk or maybe it's just a two and dunk. Um, but to me, that's been a lot of fun watching those two kind of figure it out on the go like obviously they've played together for six years so there's a certain level of chemistry that they just have no matter what but um watching them kind of figure out 
and especially Chris, like watching Chris figure out when he throws the lob, when he doesn't throw the lob, when he throws a wraparound, he had a wraparound tonight to Giannis uh, for, I think, an and one. Um, that was a lay-in instead of a dunk. But, you know, they've had, they've had some of those. Th- there's just been more of those. And I think if you're a Bucks fan, that's something to get excited about, that, you know, the Bucks' two best players uh, get to be a part of that pick and roll. And, you know, we've talked about with the Bledsoe pick and roll with Giannis, like it, a lot of the times just ends in Bledsoe taking a jumper because, well, why would anyone go over the top of that Giannis screen? But with Middleton, you, you do have to respect it. That really puts a lot of pressure on the defense, and, and we're kind of seeing all of that payoff. So a um, lot of good stuff there. And, you know, I think that's going to be it for the night. Uh, just lost Frank on a recording, but that's okay. Um, I think we were done anyways. So that was kind of the Bucks weekend, a busy one. Game on Friday, found report on Saturday, and then a game on Sunday. Uh, Bucks come away one and one, started off their road trip with a loss against the Thunder. And, you know, it. I don't want to say it only gets tougher, but Detroit's a team that has played them uh, pretty well this season. So we'll see uh, what happens with that one on Tuesday, then uh, again on the road against Toronto on Thursday. So start of a, of a five-game road trip here for the Bucs. Uh, not the way that they wanted to get it started in Oklahoma City, uh, but, you know, we'll see what they can do from here. So for Frank Men, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.